Hey everyone, welcome to She Brigade the Podcast. I'm your host, Bilun Lumsemech. On each episode, we bring you amazing trailblazing women to come share with you their life and career journeys, from entrepreneurs to nine to fivers and everyone in between. Our guests go through all of the highs and all the lows of this life journey that have brought them to being who they are today. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of She Brigade. On today's show, we have Sewa Khudima Matlapeng. Sewa is a software engineer, a half marathon runner, and a tech YouTuber. Um, by the way, I don't know a lot of tech YouTubers, so I think that's pretty cool of you that you're actually a South African <laughs> female that um, YouTubes about tech and coding. Um, she's yeah. a speaker at national and international conferences like DevCon, um, Women in Tech, and the Girl Code Global Summit. She's also the founder of Indoni Developers and was named one of 100 Young Mandela's in 2019. Welcome to the show, Sua. Thank you for having me, Bello. I'm so happy to have you on here. Um, a lot of um, the podcast listeners have been asking me to get more women in tech, more women in STEM. So I'm really excited. Yes. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Like, I, I, I actually like was so excited when I heard that you wanted to interview me because I was like, me? <laughs> <laughs> no. no, no, I think I think you do some amazing work with all the apps that you've built um, and yeah. and also the work you do in the female coding community in South Africa. Yes. So, yeah. Okay, let's 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 dive right in. So let's dive right in. Take us all the way back to the beginning. Um who was Sewa growing up? Where did you grow up? How did you grow up and also your schooling? Yeah. Okay, cool. So I grew up in Rustenburg. Um not sure how much I remember about my childhood. I grew up in a family of four. So, you know, I, like a family of four kids. There are six of us, including my mom and my dad. And I started programming, I think, when I entered high school. That's when I started formally programming. Before then, I had kind of read about it, but was never kind of materialized into anything because I'd never used a computer before. Oh. And then in, in high school, that's when I started programming. And even then, like, I was like, okay. I know how to switch it on, but I don't know what I'm doing with the rest of this machine. <laughs> so how did you get into programming? How did you know about programming? Um, so it was one of the options. And so I think my school had this thing where you had three electives, but then it was called line one, line two, line three. And for each option, you could only choose one subject, right? So for line three, I think it was IT, drawing, EGD, and arts or drama, some stuff like that, where I was like, I'm not artistic. I can't draw. <laughs> IT is the one thing I wasn't really sure what it was. Mm. So I was like, you know what, fine. And the way, the way the deputy principal explained it to me, he was just like, no, you'll just be using a computer. Well, guy really set me up. <laughs> and me, I was like, okay, fine, I'm going to learn how to use a computer. That's a really valuable skill. I get there, bruh, it was not cute. <laughs> so <laughs> I start coding. And then like, at some point, I... I remember like the one moment like I knew until this day, I remember that was the moment I decided I'm going to be a software developer was when, so I didn't know how to use a computer, but I was really good at programming. Hmm. So what would happen often is I would write my code, but I didn't know how file directories worked. So I would lose my code. So oh, I would no. come in always five minutes before class and rewrite all my code from the previous day so that my, like, my teacher wouldn't find out that I don't know how to save my code. And I got away with it until the end of the term. 
and then it was exam time so the problem with the exams he was like you need to save it yes and i'll come look for it and what he had done is he had created temporary accounts for us so i wasn't logging into my actual account mm. So he'd created temporary accounts so that we couldn't like use previous work. So me, I'm coding, I'm coding, the exam is done. I don't even think about like the way to say it with my work. I'm just like, okay, fine, I'm done, sharp, bye. And then my lecturer calls me, Amare, where's your work? I'm like, huh? And he's like, where's your work, your exam, where is it? And I was like, I didn't like it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And then, like, he, I think he kind of caught on to me, but he was letting me play along because he let me believe for 24 hours that I'd literally lost my exam and that by automatic, automatically I'd failed the subject. I cried and I cried and I wasn't boarding. So it becomes like a whole thing with everyone. And I'm there crying and they're like, it's not too late to change subjects. You can always do another subject. You know, it's, you know when your friends try to comfort you, like, mm. go back to something else. In my head, I'm like, I'm not leaving. Like, even if I fail and I have to repeat the year, I'm not leaving. And it was because a part of me was like, okay, I made a mistake by not knowing how to save my stuff. I'm not a bad programmer, so I'm not going to stop programming. Mm, mm. Like, it was, it was like in that moment where I was like, this is the pits. Like, I'm literally at my lowest where I could lose my scholarship and I'm not willing to leave. And it was in that moment that I knew that this is definitely what I want to do because now is a good time to leave. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not, yeah, if I'm not leaving now, I'm never leaving. Sure, okay. Yeah, so that was like kind of like my moment of like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. And this I was like, gonna do. Yeah, yeah. Sure, okay, so you knew then, okay, this is the path that I'm definitely going on. Um, and so I guess it wasn't hard to select, to decide what you're going to do in varsity then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so like my option one and option two were computer science, either in <laughs> commerce or in, in in the science faculty. I was like, no, this is what I want. Mm. Okay, yeah. so so tell us. I I know that um, when you were even still in high school, you did some projects here and there as well, community projects, just yeah. with regards to programming. Tell us a bit about that. Yes, so I actually started a program called Lipstick at Code, where I, so our school had a computer lab and a computer, um, a, a programming teacher, but a local school around us didn't have a programming teacher. So I started a program where I would go there and I would teach them computer basics and then I would teach them like coding principles. So I would go there twice a week. So like, I think it was on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I would just go there and I'd teach the girls how to code. And I'd do like a little bit, even if it's just introduction to programming, just a little bit. And why, why did you do that? So like, what made you feel that you needed to do something like that? Yeah, so at the time, so there were two, when we started programming, there were about six of us. And slowly, like the numbers, like, I mean, six is not a lot. But in the mm. end, in my grade 11 year, there was only two of us. Yo. And I, whenever we went to coding competitions, like with other schools, like we go to St. Stevens and see coding competitions, I would literally be one of the two or three girls there. And mm. it was in those moments where I was reminded that this is such a male-dominated industry. Because outside of that, in my own circle where it was just me and this other guy in my class, it was a 50-50 state. Gender didn't matter. Mm. 
and then you get out there to the rest of the world and then you realize that actually you're an anomaly like it's mm. like it's so it was just such an eye-opening experience like and then I was like oh my goodness but this isn't just programming it's tech in general right mm-hmm. if you look at like when we grow up our the male the, the boys were playing like these digital games they were playing like those games where you put money and they just like play with like, I don't know what those games were called. Those, those ones outside games. of the shop or like in the shop. Yeah. Those, yeah, yeah. those physical ones. Yeah. I get you born. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I remember when my family, we first bought a computer, they gave it to my brother, like automatically. Mm. And it was like little things. And I started realizing that our engagement with technology, a lot of the time is always like towards males first. Like there's always this like by default, you know, they'll resonate with it. And I kind of realized that there's a gap where we need to like somehow encourage or at least expose women to technology at the same level that we expose men to. And this isn't just coding. It's even just like making more women comfortable with like digital games, making more women comfortable with just being in front of a computer. Mm. So it was like, for me, like as a teenager, I was like, guys, no. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, and I mean, I'm glad you actually realized that at such a young age, as someone in tech myself, I actually, I only realized the gender thing when I got to start, when I started working, actually, <laughs> like yeah, I was oblivious yeah. to the whole thing. I was, I was, I think I was a bit naive to everything. I was like, okay, no, it's not yeah. a thing until you get into like the actual working world yeah. and then you look around and the numbers don't make sense. The numbers don't add up. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, yeah, so so tell us a bit about your your varsity journey then, and all the all the um, projects you started and all of that during varsity. Yeah, so I went to varsity after that. I still tried to keep lipstick and my code running, but my school also stopped programming, so there was no one oh. to even keep the project after me because there was no one learning programming either. And so in university, when I was in university, what I'd do is I'd go to high schools and I would at least talk to the students about career options, maybe considering IT and kind of helping them deal with some of the myths around IT. Mm. And I also would do career advice, like in terms of like which universities to choose, how universities work. I found that a lot of the schools in my area in matric, yeah, they kind of focus on getting you through matric. They weren't like trying to get you through to university. Mm. So a lot of the students didn't even know how a lot of the degrees worked. Like you'd find someone who had done math lit, gotten really good marks in math lit, and they didn't know that they couldn't do engineering at most universities with math lit. And it's like, you sh- this discussion should have been had. A long know? time ago. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I went to, I would go to school. So it was me and my friend Bella and Gladness. We would like go during the school holidays. We'd go to high schools. We'd talk to them about careers. Gladness was in education. Bella is in commerce. And I'm in computer science. So we at least tried to give them the different experiences mm. in terms of the degrees, the degree structure, the faculty structures, and just generally the experience. Mm. Yeah. Mm, okay. And, and, okay, so then you actually, you finished your degree. Um, at what point did you start in Donate Developers? Was, was this during varsity or was this um, after? This was definitely after varsity, if I remember properly, because I feel like, um, so when I was in my final year, I was a part of Women in Computer Science, so I was a mm. treasurer. Before then, I was a part of um, DevSoc. And then... 
um, what happened was there were strikes at the end of the year, and so we couldn't host our annual hackathon. And for me and Una, Una was the chairperson at the time, Una Leron. Yes, my cousin. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were so hacked because the hackathon tradition was something that women in computer science had done for like a few years. And it was like, we're going to be the committee to break the transition. And it's like, it wasn't our fault. It was literally a matter of, we had everything. We had sponsors. The event was organized. Like, we don't need And then the strike started and was like, it was, it was out of our control. So the following year, you know, let's organize a hackathon, like outside of this university. So we actually did organize a hackathon the following year. We did it. We did it outside of the university because we were like, if anything happens, like, yeah, yeah. And then from organizing that event, that hackathon, I was like, nah, Mara, I actually like this. Like, I like the space. You know, I like what it's become because we had students from different universities at that point and it was just nice. It was just so interesting. And I was like, I like this environment. I like feeling normal. I like feeling like I don't have to explain that I'm a developer. Mm. I like being in a space where I am the default and someone can just raise my hand. Like, like someone can just say to me, hey, and it's not like you have to go, I'm a dev, I'm a mentor, I can help you. Mm. Well, it was like after that, that I started like trying to organize meetup with meetups with women. And that's kind of when Indori developers kind of came about. We were like, we actually enjoy the space where women can come and create, where women can come and develop. We like the space where women are developers. And it's not, you know, it's a really safe space for us to want to be in. Because what I also started realizing is that women generally try not to attend tech events because you know, it's always like a thing of, I'm a minority at work, I'm a minority at school, I don't want to come to this thing at my own leisure, and then mm. still have to deal with that. Yeah, yeah, and because like, like, being a minority is work also. Yeah. Like, yes, em- really emotionally, is. it's like, it's, it's kind of exhausting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Spaces, especially in spaces where we're constantly educating. It's like, Namfuta, I just want to progress, okay? Mm. Like, I actually just want to focus on my career. I want to focus on the things that I love. I love programming. I don't love constantly telling people that I can code too, you know? Yeah, like, I yeah. just actually want to focus on my passion. Mm. Okay. So, um, while we're on that, tell us about how it was getting into the working world um, as a female developer. Yes. So my first job, I was really lucky. It was such a diverse space. Like it was a really good space. I think my team lead was a woman engineer. There were like three women engineers in the team. My manager who wasn't in the team was also a woman developer. So it was just like for me, kind of like a really good space to be in, in terms of it can happen. There are diverse spaces. It is possible. Mm. And in terms of you know, how I see my career growth, because I feel like as a woman developer, right, there's a point where you kind of feel like everyone who started as a woman developer moved out, yeah. right? Like, it's, yeah, yeah, you kind of like eventually after two years, they kind of move out into something else. Mm. So being in that space for me was really nice because it was like, look, I can be a senior engineer too. I can be a woman who actually wants to be a developer I can still be a manager and work with people still be a developer so it was like a really nice space and it kind of just helped me like you know be more comfortable with what I want to do Mm. like 
I actually, I'm thinking about what you said now. I actually agree with that so much. It, it does always feel like when you look at um, um, women in tech on like the lower yeah. levels, there's often quite a lot. There's quite a few, you know, but then the higher you go, um, there's, there's less and less and less. So you're absolutely yeah. right in that. It feels like you kind of move out. The, the, females, yeah. the female developers move out, move into something else. Do you, wh- why do you think that is? Do you, do you think um, it's, not, it's actually a thing or? You know, like I, I think I'm aware of the fact that there's a part where a lot of developers branch out of software development after five or six years, maybe because they feel like it's not challenging anymore or because they want to focus less on the technical side and more on the people side, because that's mm. a natural side of career growth where you move into managing people and managing teams. But I found that with women, it was just happening at a much higher rate than it was happening with men. And I think that a lot of the stories I'd hear was kind of like a thing of just being tired of being a minority. Mm. And that for me was like where it kind of got scary because I'm like, because it does take a toll on you. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of one of the reasons we wanted to create Indori Developers was a space where, you know, we could just be developers. We could just geek out and share our knowledge, share our resources, build a connection and a community where, you know, you would know that you're not alone. Like Mm. you may be the only woman in your company, but you're not alone. The community is growing and there are more women entering. There are women staying for longer than I think we've seen in a while. There are women who are second generation developers and it's phenomenal. Like, Mm it's amazing like my mentors are women developers and when i see the level of coding that they do i'm just always shocked like mm. the amount of like the coding that they do is always so impressive to me mm, okay and um is this also why you started your youtube channel yes yeah this is one of the reasons i wanted to start sunshine in my code i think at first someone was like well why don't you start a podcast so i started actually with a blog Mm. And what I found about the blog was like I wasn't getting my personality through. Ah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you know when you're writing and you're like, no, my personality is not coming out. I'm worried this joke won't come through without <laughs> my, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so I was, yeah, I was like, you know what? I actually want to go digital now. After like blogging for a bit, I think I blogged for a year on Medium, and then I was like, I want to go digital now. But I didn't know if I should do a podcast or a YouTube channel. But I know, like for me with podcasts, like in terms of when you're talking about a technical topic, my worry was how, like, am I is someone going to spend 37 minutes just listening to me talk about data mm. structures? Like, you is might lose people. Up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I wanted to make it more personal and more, also I wanted to use the imagery, right? I think Mm -hmm. there's like something powerful about the fact that I am a woman and the fact that I, you know, put on makeup and it's like glossy and cute. It's just a different (laughs) perspective from what we typically see. And I think that like I settled on the fact that I did want that imagery to also come across. Yeah. That's very important because you, yeah. you know we don't want it to just feel like there's a stereotypical type of woman that goes into tech. Okay. There's yeah. all kinds of women that go into tech. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. It's so weird how, yes. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I was so weird how with one of the few industries that are definitely characterized by looks, like it's so weird. Yeah. Like, 
right? Tech isn't just about men. It's also a personality. Like, it's so weird. It, it, tech is actually a personality. It's so, it is very weird, actually. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, with, all, with a lot of the other industries, you don't assume that someone will look a certain way or behave a certain way. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You're actually yeah. right. <laughs> um, okay, so can you tell us a little bit about some of um, the highlights and lowlights of your journey? Yeah, so the highlight of my journey, I think, um, I would say, so I went to San Francisco last year. Ooh. It was, wow, it was amazing. Um, San Francisco is a lot like Cape Town. Okay. Like, it was, like, I literally, I was fine. I was on my own in San Francisco, and I was fine. Like, it was like, I was okay. And it was quite fascinating how similar it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, the, uh, so I went for an F8 hackathon. So Facebook flew us over for a hackathon. And then this was in San Jose, which is kind of where Silicon Valley actually is. Mm-hmm. And then I went to San Francisco because San Jose is like, it's gray. Like, there's nothing nice there. Like, it's more <laughs> It's like literally like a city office. And then you go to <laughs> San Francisco. And San Francisco is where all the lights and the colors and it's just much prettier. <laughs> so so it was really great but so when I was in like Silicon Valley so one of the cool things I did was I signed up for a hackathon for the F8 hackathon and then I was like you know what actually I'm not a hackathon person because I've never actually myself participated in a hackathon but you organized then, I, them <laughs> 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 which is okay yeah <laughs> and okay so and then um so I'm applied but I didn't register because I was like I'm not gonna do it and then at the very last minute I was like no nah, actually let me do it mm. and then so I I actually at the last minute I came in and I was like no guys I registered and they were like your name's not here and luckily I knew someone on the inside who was one of the organizers because of my relations with DFC and they were like nah she can come in so I managed to get into the hackathon and it was just like for me, so at the time, I was a very junior developer. So I was very early in my career. Everyone in my team was a senior. So I was just there like, uh, so this might get embarrassing. I hope everyone's <laughs> going to be okay. And I was also the only black person in my team. So there was someone from Brazil. There was someone from Portugal. There was someone from Taiwan. There was some other guy from South Africa. There was someone, two people from India. So we had like, oh no, actually three people from India. So we had a really diverse team and I was there like, this is very internationally diverse. I feel like I'm doing a lot of representation right now. I'm not sure about it. (laughs) And so I was there and I was a little bit scared and then I kind of was surprised at how much leadership I took within that team. Mm. So I ended up doing a lot of the groundwork in terms of this is what we want our models to look like. This is what we want our solution to look like. This is what we want stuff to look like. Right. And I was really surprised when I kind of took on that leadership role because I don't typically label myself as someone who kind of takes charge. I'm more of a, okay, fine. If needs be, I'll stand up, but don't, I won't volunteer like NJ. I kind of like feel like it was like a moment of like where you know when you come into yourself and you're just like surprised at yourself yeah yeah. so I was the only junior dev and I was kind of like a little bit worried because this was such an international team but I took so much control of like not control but like I took so much leadership and I was helping develop the product I did the back end 
So I did a lot of like the groundwork and helping everyone do stuff. And I think like for at least 30 hours, I was working straight. Yeah. And it was like, it was like such a phenomenal thing where everyone in the team was like, oh my gosh, you work so hard. And I was like, I didn't even know this. Like, <laughs> I didn't even know that this was me, but this is me. And it was kind of like, I think it was when my gear started going where I realized that this is who I am. This is what I want to be. This is what I want to work like. And it was a moment where I wasn't afraid of my strength anymore. I wasn't afraid of what I had to give, but I also didn't undermine what I had to give. And I was like, if I can do this at an international stage with people from across the world, people who are highly skilled, and I can still come out as someone who's strong, competent, and a leader, then like there's nothing to be afraid of mm-hmm. and I think it was just like a turning point for me as a person me as a developer and me as a leader sure yeah I can yeah. I can imagine I mean that's yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay and and what are some of the lowlights of your journey yo the lowlights the lowlights uh, would have to be, you know, like, I think there was this moment, I won't go into specific detail, where someone took credit for my work. Oh, no. And someone just took ownership of my work, presented it as their own. And then, you know, I kept quiet. Like, I just kept quiet. And I, I was like, in my head, I was like, I don't want to be the angry black woman who goes out there and tells people that this guy's taking ownership of my work. And I went home and I told my friend and I cried and I, I literally, you know, when you just cry uncontrollably mm. and the following day I was with the team and everyone was like, why didn't you stand up for yourself? We saw that. We saw what he did. Why didn't you stand up for yourself? And I was like, I just didn't want to be the angry black woman. Mm. And they're like, don't undermine our ability to see things. Like, we can see, you weren't the only one seeing it. We were just waiting for you to stand up for yourself. And that for me was like, I can't believe I actually let someone take ownership of my work. And I kept quiet because I was hoping everyone would stand up for me. And they were just sitting there waiting for me to own up for my own work. Because if you did something, you should stand up for yourself. So that was, yeah, that was just like such a, oh my gosh, it was such a mind blowing. Like, why didn't I stand up for myself? I should have stood up for myself. Mm, and I mean, I mean, you know, with every low life, you'll probably never do it again. You you learned yes. from it, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, mm. so I also want to ask some, like, ask you a question. What What do you think are some of the misconceptions about what you do? Okay, cool. Huh, misconceptions about what I do. Because <laughs> you know how we were saying, like, you know, with, with yeah. developers, um, there's yes. a look, there's, there's all these um, preconceived notions of what a developer is yeah. and what a developer does. So, yeah, yes. what are some of the misconceptions about what you do? I think a lot of people think we're app developers, which is so weird because software development is so broad, computer science is so broad. <laughs> that not everyone is an app developer right Mm. and i think that sometimes people look at we're so like we're so in tune with technology everything seems to flow so easily all the apps we use seem to work so well that people sometimes think that it's easy and it's like do you understand that a single button can hurt you for a whole week (laughs) sometimes sometimes that one minor improvement can take so long to get that like 
but because when people interact with things it seems so effortless that yeah. people assume that building it is also effortless mm, mm, that's true yeah. i know at, yeah. at work people like the business will always say i just i just want you to just add a button they just tell the developers to add a button <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm like the middleman so i'll be sitting there like you the developers doesn't hear you say this it's just <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay yeah. so who have been who have been some of the influences in your life and in your journey um whether you yeah. know them personally or not okay cool so i would firstly start by mandisa she is the founder of Stulo, and Stulo is a grocery shopping app, so you can do online shopping. Shopping, it's currently in beta, but she's also built like so many other products before then. And she was kind of the one who kind of encouraged me to get into the mindset of like rapid product development, being able to, you know, um, create a lot of uh, like a diverse range of products really quickly. Because what would happen is I would take too long, and then I would quit because uh, i was like this is taking too long and she was like yeah your first project has to call so that your next one can run and that your career will essentially just be flying after that so you know mm-hmm. you have to go through the hurdles and all the difficult stuff but you need to see them through it will never take you this long to develop this type of project again you know the next one will be more challenging but you'll know what you're capable of and so she's kind of like always kept me grounded in that sense whenever I feel like this is taking too long this is too much work and I want to quit and she's kind of like just been my motivation with that another woman that I look up to is Litabo Mutualedi she's the founder of Voice AI and she is so amazing so i remember i'd read about her but i never really knew her full story because you know linkedin can only tell you so much and i remember i was giving a talk at the university of the western cape and she was there too so she went in front of me she went ahead of me and she was talking about how hey look i built a product two products that no one cared about but in the meantime i was winning all these awards and it didn't make sense to me why the industry kept awarding me, but you know, my products weren't doing that great in the market mm-hmm. until the one I've built right now. And you know, people aren't necessarily awarding me for it, but this is a product with use cases and users and it's actually working. And she was talking about how sometimes as an entrepreneur, as a builder, you kind of have to learn to steer yourself away from the hype because the hype doesn't always pay the bills, right? Mm-hmm. People want to see doing this work but this work isn't bringing in it's not sustainable all right mm-hmm. it's like great that you may get all these awards but at the end of the day you know your project is a good idea but how practical and usable is it and she was kind of talking about how not everything has to be glamorous it has to work it has to have a use case and people who are willing to pay for it so i felt like in terms of my viewpoint of entrepreneurship it was so sobering because I think like when we think of entrepreneurship, we always think about the, like these men who are always like, you need to have, you know, strong, you have to work 20 hours, you have to do this. And like all these motivational talks. Yeah. But she was so honestly a feminine, like she was like very a feminine side of entrepreneurship where she was just talking about her journey. She wasn't, it wasn't like a macho club where she was like, you need to work hard. You need to work harder than everybody else. Everybody's working 20 hours. You need to work 24 hours. She was just very honest in detail about 
dealing with your first failure, coming to terms with it, failure when everyone's expecting you to succeed mm. and having the courage to move on, having the courage to build again, try again, and knowing that if you keep learning, you'll eventually get it right. Mm. Mm. Yeah. If you keep learning, you'll eventually get it right. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to quote that. <laughs> okay, and and is there anything that... um? you wish that you knew before you started on this journey that you're going on? Like, so like oh, if there was a developer, yeah. a female developer now that's about to start on this journey, um, yes. what are some things that you wish you knew? Okay, cool. So this is something Bonang actually said where she's like, when I started presenting, I realized that everyone in the industry is doing everything. And she's like, I stuck to presenting. And I became really good at it and I became a staple at it and I became the go-to person for it because I was so good at it. And what she realizes that a lot of people when they get into the industry, they get a lot of offers for a lot of things. Mm. And then you start doing everything. And then what happens is you spend so much time trying to master every other craft that your main craft doesn't get all your attention. Mm. And then you're dribbling in a lot of things that your main thing doesn't get attention. And I find that as a developer, sometimes that can be really true when you're beginning your journey, right? So you learn one platform or one framework and then you don't become that good at it and you move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And, you know, you find yourself in a position where you're like, oh, I know all these frameworks, I know all these tools, but you can't practically actually use either one to actually build something. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like what I took, like that was really good from Banang, where she was like, be comfortable with saying, hey, you know what, actually I'm a presenter and this is what I'm going to do until I've mastered it. And once I've mastered it, guess what? It's so much easier to learn other things because I know that one thing in depth. And she's like, now when I do other things, I'm so comfortable with my strengths that I can do other little things. And even if I'm not great at it, because everyone knows me as a great presenter, I'm comfortable failing at that other thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of my advice. Mm. Like I actually really like that because and it applies to like a lot of things as well, a lot of industries as well. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm taking it in for myself now as a podcaster. Um, you know, people sometimes ask me like, why don't you do this as well? And that as well. And this too. And I'm like, no, but I want to be good at this podcasting. I want to focus yeah. on this first. Um, yes. It's very easy to, and I think it also ties back to what you were saying that Letabo said to you about, it's very mm-hmm. easy to like follow the hype type of thing yes yeah you follow the hype and you go away okay looks like the, the recognition is there all the awards yes. are there so you then you end up going that way instead of just sticking yeah. to your craft and mastering your craft yeah yeah mm. yeah that's actually really good advice um yeah. uh, which which then leads me to my big question that i ask every every single guest that i have yeah. on the show um okay so my favorite quote is be who you needed when you were younger. Yes. So it's, oh. it's specific to Suahudim when she was younger. And yeah. the reason why I love that quote is because um, I feel like when we were younger, there might have been something that you would have wanted to hear or someone that you would have wanted to see or look up to. And if yeah. you needed that person when you were younger, then <clears throat> I can guarantee there's a small, a small, child somewhere or a younger version of you somewhere today yeah. that needs to hear the same thing so 
I ask all of my guests this question. Um, yeah. If you could go back and talk to your younger self, um, what would you say to her? What would you say to younger Sarah? Okay, what would I say? I would say stop stressing. First of all, you are way too stressed. <laughs> like, you're too young to be stressed. Um, growing up, I was always worried about everything. I was worried about my future. I was worried about literally everything. And so I would just say, girl, relax. It's going to work out. Take it step by step. It's going to be fine. And I'd also say just be comfortable. The sooner you become comfortable with yourself, the easier it's going to get. Mm. Like just be comfortable with the fact that you're dynamic, right? So be comfortable with the fact that you are a really good runner and no one seems to understand that. Like I remember in high school, I'd always be running and people were like, huh? Like it was just so weird. Like, <laughs> like people were not getting that I'm a runner. Not and netball because <laughs> netball is big. <laughs> yeah like I would just always be kind of stressed about why people couldn't adjust to who I am and I would just say like stop worrying about that like I think that once you bring yourself for long enough the world reaches a point where they just embrace you because you're embracing yourself Mm. you know like just stop stressing like it's gonna be fine and yeah so I would say that but I'd also like just I think like growing up the things that there's so many small things that I thought were so important that now I'm like I can't believe I even wasted a second stressing about that Mm -hmm. so like just generally I think I was just a stressed kid like (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Okay. Yeah. Oh wow. Thanks, Sua. Wait. So, what? What? Thank what are some of? What are some of your plans? What's next? What's next? Where are we gonna see you next? Oh, okay, cool. Where are we gonna see me next? So, yeah, I am. I'm in beta testing out a new product for Visa Answers. It's a social network for high school learners. Mm. So we're trying to create a platform where students around the country can kind of connect and learn, ask each other questions, share resources, and we want those resources to be available to all the other students right so we realized that a lot of students are learning through whatsapp and they're learning through facebook groups not Mm. really sure about facebook groups anymore we use facebook groups but a lot of students are using whatsapp to learn and the reason about that is that it's a social network so it's easy you can ask questions you know it's a very event-driven way of learning where you see something you can ask and you can get feedback that's kind of yeah. how students actually prefer to learn. And we found that most edtech platforms kind of come with the assumption that this is what you need, this is what we're going to give you, and this is the, your learning journey. And it's like, that student might not be in that headspace at mm. that moment. And that's what Visa Answers were trying to make it, is that learning kind of at your own pace, at your own interaction, asking questions with your own voice and getting explanations that make sense to you. And so we're beta testing that out. We've got a few students on the platform trying to bring in questions so that, you know, it's just like actually a lot of content, a lot of resources that students can engage with. And that's kind of like my biggest project so far. Another thing is we're organizing a women developers conference. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was supposed to be in October, but the way it's looking now, we'll yeah, probably go. <laughs> It's going to be virtual. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 
we're going to move it a bit further in the year and make it a virtual conference. I'm so excited about that. It's literally just going to be a day with women developers sharing their technical knowledge, technical expertise. We're going to have CTOs talking about building their own product and leading teams and kind of, you know, what happens as an engineer when a company pivots. So when a company completely changes their business model and you have to build a product from scratch, like where's your headspace as that happens. And, so, and I mean, that a lot of that will, will probably be happening given the time that we're yes. in now, hey? Yes, mm. yes. So that's kind of like one of the other things that I'm really excited to be a part of. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't wait. I can't wait to um, yeah. see more of you, more of your app and more of your conference. Yeah. I can't wait. Thank yeah. you so much, yeah. Sewa, for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, this is amazing. I actually, I'm, I don't know why it took me this long to get a developer onto the show, <laughs> but I'm really yes, glad I yeah. did. I think, you know, a lot of what you spoke about is a very real reality for so many women in tech. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. As always, we love to engage with all of you, so feel free to pop us an email if you have any feedback or guest recommendations on info at shebrigade.com. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, so don't forget to tag us on your posts at SheBrigade. See you next week.